0: 46 of Lymphedema Podcast. This is the final episode of 2019. And I am so proud of you guys. Proud of you for tuning in and subscribing and being a part of this community. Proud of you for welcoming me and engaging me, um, asking me questions, sending me emails, keeping me on my toes so that I know that I need to research more and find you guys the answers that you want. Last week, I was telling you about the number two spot on our countdown being what is lymphedema. And that was the first episode that I released officially for the podcast. And when I was thinking back on maybe how this countdown would go, in my mind, I thought that would have been the number one episode. Considering what is lymphedema is one of the most common questions within the lymphedema community. Therapists, we spend a lot of our time explaining that to patients and family members and other medical professionals. But what I've realized, one, you guys really want to know what it is. And just as this number one episode coming up next proves, you really want to know how to get rid of it. So without further ado, I want to say thank you so much to Kirsten for being on the episode to talk about her personal journey with the LVA surgery. The number one most listened to episode of 2019 from Lymphedema Podcast was episode 32. Welcome back for episode 31 of Lymphedema Podcast. Today I'm diving into lymphedema surgery, specifically the lymphovenous anastomosis, commonly referred to as LVA. LVA. To give you a first-hand encounter of her experience, Kirsten is here with me to share her story. Kirsten, welcome to the show. Hello. If you don't mind, I want you to tell everybody just a little bit about yourself so we kind of get a background for where we're going with this talk.
1: Yeah,
2: definitely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. But um, I am 25 years old. I live in Central Virginia, United States. And I grew up a very active lifestyle, participating in various sports. Um, I had two older brothers to run around with, so I was always trying to keep up with them, and I played baseball, basketball, soccer, went on to play competitively, competitive high school softball, college softball, and I also started doing horseback riding in college. And um, when it comes to horseback riding, I always loved horses and horse racing specifically, but I didn't grow up around them. And I went to a small school called Avert University, where I got the opportunity to minor in equestrian studies, and then I was also a history major. Um, While there, I decided I wanted to do an internship, so I went out to Kentucky, and I landed an internship at a large racing farm called Star Farm. uh, And that's how I got started in the industry three years ago, and now I'm working at Colonial Downs Racetrack. It just opened up here in Virginia, so any locals, come watch some Virginia horse racing. Um, I work in racing operations and we did just have a very successful opening weekend of racing this past weekend, but, um, just kind of other things I do in my spare time. Um, I love spending every second that I can with my boyfriend and he's a huge support system to me, honestly. And he cares for me. His care for me is just completely unbelievable. He understands my lymphedema, and he's patient with me on my bad days, and he does MLD for me. He rolls my bandages, and I truly wouldn't be as confident with myself and my condition if it wasn't for him. Um, That probably sounds so cliche to say, (laughs) but it really is the truth.
0: No, I (laughs) Um, like it. It's sweet.
2: Yeah, he literally makes me forget that I have it, um, and he tells me I'm more beautiful with it, and if we're out or doing something, he's always like, he can tell when I need to sit down or something. And he's just, he's really sweet. And, um, he, we live two and a half hours apart. So like I said, we try to spend every second we can together, but, um, that's pretty much what my spare time consists of. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about myself and, you know, just getting into the racing industry and, um, just starting off a career and just trying to start my life and figuring it out with lymphedema, I guess.
0: That's really cool. I think that's a really interesting career. I Mm -hmm. grew up in a small town and I've been around horses my whole life, but I'm kind of opposite. I grew up around horses. And now that I'm an adult, I guess you would say I never see them anywhere. (laughs) So um, very cool. So when were you diagnosed with lymphedema?
2: Okay, so I was diagnosed stage two in my right leg in July 2014. So it's been a good solid 5 years since I was diagnosed um by a vascular surgeon but I already um was showing stage 1 signs for 3 years prior to that in my ankle so I was uh, 19 at the time when my leg basically blew up overnight in college while playing D3 softball so that was very stressful um it that happened in January of 2014 and of course I'm in school It was a weird thing, Um, we didn't know what to do and I didn't wanna miss school. So not knowing it would be a lifelong diagnosis, we waited till summer and I had literally over a dozen doctor's appointments, just going one test after the next. And then finally I found a vascular surgeon who knew what lymphedema was and said, your veins are fine, this is what it is. And he sent me to the most wonderful occupational therapist. Um, She's been absolutely amazing. But um, so that was with the one leg. And then last year, I started having unusual swelling in my other leg. Um, Like, for instance, I was working out at a racehorse farm and summer hit me pretty hard. And my leg would be pretty swollen at the end of each day. And um, my boyfriend enjoys fishing and stuff like that. So when we go out in the boat, my other leg, more specifically my foot, would just instantly be twice the size and i'd have nowhere to go because we're out in the middle of nowhere on a boat and like i couldn't even put my flip-flop back on and it was very painful and so honestly with having the lymphedema in my other leg and educating myself i was able to see those early signs um so since i was seeing the same signs in that leg as i did with my right leg five years ago um, I was finally diagnosed with stage one January of this year in my left leg with bilateral lymphedema.
0: Man, and that had to be hard.
2: It was. Um, fortunately, though, since I've already kind of been through the whole denial and acceptance stage with, uh, with the right leg five years ago, it was a little or I guess you could say a lot easier to get past that last year just because... I thought to myself, okay, I know the signs, you know, this is bound to be it. I know the tools. I, I know the garments and I've, I have a pump. Um, so I'd start pumping my leg, which makes a huge of a difference. I spend two hours pumping my leg every day, but (laughs) it's worth it. Um, so I was able to get past that denial stage and like, this is hard kind of stage because I could see the signs and I can start taking care of it and prolong it developing to stage two
0: and which leg did you have the surgery i had the surgery in my right leg where i had stage two lymphedema okay so yeah. i do want to like talk about the entire process and kind of break it down so what first sparked your interest in surgery okay i will
2: do my best for this to be all over the place um because my interest actually started years ago before I even knew surgery was an option. This was before I knew the lymphocentigraphy test was a thing. This was before the lymphography test. This was before everything. So I sparked an interest in at least wanting to make a difference. I guess you could say I was still a little bit in denial when I was in college. Like, it was hard. I was stressed with classes. I wasn't sleeping. Uh, I My leg was in pain every day. Like, it was difficult. And so since I really didn't have time to research, you know, is there a chance this could be something else or whatever in any spare time, I used my horse classes to learn about it, honestly. So I took a breeding class and I did a project on a rare genetic trait so I could learn how genetics work since this can be hereditary. And this interest um, led to me getting genetic testing done for myself. But unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm not sure, <laughs> there were no mutations in my DNA that can be seen at the at this moment in time. And then the second thing I did was horses can actually have lymphedema. Super yeah. crazy. Yeah. And super crazy. And it, you know, looks just the same. It's um, and I've seen pictures of a pretty severe case, but I took an equine lameness and disease class. So I did my report on equine lymphedema. And at the time, our barn vet was actually treating a case of a horse that wasn't too far away from school. Now, unfortunately, I didn't get to meet the horse because she did pass away right before I was getting in touch with the owners to learn about their process with taking care of the lymphedema and getting it diagnosed and what it takes to take care of a horse with lymphedema. Um, I really do hope I am blessed with the opportunity one day to meet a horse with lymphedema. So, cause you know, ho- animals are just amazing. They make amazing connections and horses are just amazing, amazing creatures in themselves. And, you know, I want to meet a horse with lymphedema and say, you know, we're going, we're getting through this together and we can do it. So that kind of sparked me wanting to learn more about it and educating myself about it. And then, um, So I'm finally in the racing industry. My dream was to always be a groomer, a jockey at a racetrack. And I'm very small and petite, so I turned out to be the perfect size. And as I got more into the racing industry, my leg was getting bigger and bigger and harder to manage. So it was getting more and more frustrating. And then, like I said, summer hit me really hard last year, especially with the stage one developing in my other leg. So I just had to wake up one day and basically tell myself, you have to take care of yourself and you, you, you can't be a groom anymore. Lymphedema just can't handle it. So um, I started reading about clinical trials being done. And I noticed that some were maybe being done on the West Coast. And every doctor I went to for this condition here in Virginia didn't have a clue what lymphedema was. Um, not speaking poorly or anything by all means, uh, it's just no one knew. And every single doctor I went to, they would say, I'm really not familiar with this. I'm really sorry. I can't help you. Now, I still saw my occupational therapist, but um, it. I just wanted to find a doctor who I could have a conversation with about it. And so... Um, you know, saw my occupational therapist right off the bat five years ago. Um, she taught me treatment and management, learning complete decongestive therapy, um, the bandages, the compression garments, MLD. Eventually, I was able to obtain a 12-chamber FlexiTouch pump. Um, and even to this day, I still see her every three to six months, whether it's just for updated measurements or new garments. Um, I've never had an infection or complication and, you know, I take care of myself very seriously. Um, I haven't once gotten sick. I do take it very seriously, but when it comes to still sparking the interest, like I said, I'll do my, <laughs> I know I've been all over the place. I'm so sorry.
0: It's okay. It's um, a lot to cover in a really short amount of time because it's really hard to condense your journey in just a few yeah. words. So no worries. It's
2: been, it's been such a journey um, because my interest you know developed a long time ago and i always wanted to be part of a change for the lymphedema community um i i always i was a willing patient who i was willing to do clinical trials if it suited me of course but there's nothing i couldn't find anything going on on this side of the country at least and i heard about i eventually heard about dr Granzau doing surgeries in california but being here in virginia that just wasn't really an option for me, um, going back and forth like that. And, you know, I just, I wanted to speak out. I wanted to go to other doctors and say, okay, you can't help me, but if you hear about any clinical trials, you know, please call me. I want to do something for lymphedema. I want to do something to to make a difference. And the only way you can make a difference is if you speak out. So my dad was honestly the one who found a surgeon doing surgeries on the condition up in Pennsylvania. Um, I can't recall his name at the moment. And then, like I said, I already knew about Dr. Grandzal, California, but, um, then somehow between my dad and I doing more and more research, we came across Dr. Alou, who is actually a plastic and reconstructive surgeon at Johns Hopkins hospital in Maryland. Um, and then by the time we researched him last year, I had already educated myself a little bit on the LVA SAPL and the lymph node removal surgeries. Um, And I already at that point kind of had an idea of being interested in the LVA because I actually have swollen lymph nodes um, that are linked with my leg with the stage one that was, that just started last year. So I already knew I didn't want to have any lymph node removals because I didn't want to risk that. Yeah. And then that's when my surgery process started last uh, last fall. Yeah. Um, So that that was it. I it started and then I'm here and I still can't believe it. Uh, The journey started probably in around October. So I got a physician's referral to have a phone appointment with one of Dr. Lou's um, P.A.'s. And you have to send your entire medical history and they review it and they talk to you. And so I got the okay um, to then set up an appointment for the lymphocentigraphy test. And then that test did confirm a disrupted flow in the stage one leg, which led to the bilateral lymphedema diagnosis, as well as setting up an appointment to meet the surgeon and do a lymphography test. Actually, funny thing is I didn't know I was getting a lymphography test when I went into the appointment. So I didn't know I'd be injected with dye again. (laughs) So I was thinking maybe that's a good thing, (laughs) but (laughs) it was great. He even let me take a video of the test, which was super cool. So I can have it to go back to refer to. But it was just absolutely amazing seeing the difference between my two legs. Because with the stage two leg, the channels are, you know, The fluid's still in channels in my foot. And then once you get to my ankle, it's just leaking everywhere. And so the dye is everywhere and the channels are just lost. And then in my stage one leg, the flow is only disrupted. So they're not quite leaking yet. And so you can see, you can still see the channels running all up my leg. So that was really cool to see and taking a video of the screen so I can still have it to refer back to. And,
0: um, so I'm kind of going to, I'm going to jump in real quick because you talked about the lymphography in both ankles or both legs. Yeah. yeah. You potentially be having the LVA for the, the right leg, left leg for the left leg, your stage one leg?
2: leg. Um, talking to Dr. Lou about it. He said that could be an option one day if it does go to stage two one day. But for right now, um, you know, don't fix something if it's not broken yet. Right. (laughs) Um, So for right now, it's just we've talked about as well as with my occupational therapist. um, I have the tools. I have the knowledge. Go ahead and start taking care of it, pumping it, using a garment when I know it's going to be a long, hard day. Um, and it seems to be doing so much better than it was last year. Like last year, I was so concerned. I was like, this is going to get stage two so quickly, but, um, but yeah, so that could be a potential, um, possibility one day, just today's not the day. And hopefully with my knowledge,
0: I can, um, prolong that happening. Yeah, that would be great. So outside Mm -hmm. of the lymphography, how did you prepare for surgery?
2: Honestly, I really didn't do anything different to, to, pre- to prepare surgery. Um, I was so excited. And like I was talking about earlier, I really wanted to be involved with this community. I started my lymphedema Instagram page and talking with people, helping with tips of my own and asking other people with tips. And I was honestly so excited to be a good candidate for this surgery and to be part of it. Um, I really didn't do much to prepare for it. I was so busy um coaching. I am a high school varsity softball assistant bar- softball coach, and I was so busy that it just the day came. Um, I did reach out to others over Instagram that I had seen posts um of them having the surgery and if they were still happy with it, if they had done it, um which they all seemed that they they all said that they were still happy. Um, because you know, there's always that thing in the back of your head, like, you know, what if something goes wrong, or what if there's this? And I'm such a nervous Nelly kind of well, anxious kind of person. And so I just didn't want to be making a bad decision and mess it up. Right. But my understanding from Dr. Lou is worst case scenario, nothing will happen, and at least the fluid will have somewhere to go. Um, so I did talk to others about it just to see if they were still happy with it. And everybody still was. And um, and then I do recall the morning of I did take before pictures. Um, so hopefully I'll have smaller after photos next year, fingers crossed. And um, But yeah, I was honestly so excited to be part of it that I really didn't do anything different. <laughs>
0: well, that's good. It sounds like other than, you know, finally getting... appointment set it's not like you know intensive with therapy trying to get your leg as small as possible or anything like that i kind of wondered if that would be a part of it just in preparation you know yeah it's good to know
2: yeah i definitely did have measurements taken they did ask for measurements taken before um the lymphography appointment so that appointment was in january and then i had the surgery um in april so now it's been three months post-surgery but um No, I wasn't really instructed to do anything different or trying to get the leg down or anything. I mean, at at that point, my leg was as small as I could get it. So it just needed a little extra budge. So hopefully the surgery will take care of that.
1: The National Lymphedema Network invites you to attend their annual conference October 26th through the 28th at the Westin Boston Waterfront. This is a great opportunity to hear from leaders in the lymphedema community as they speak about topics that are relevant to you. You won't want to miss this great event. Go to www.lymphnet.org for more details. Use the promo code PODCAST when registering to receive a special discount offer. The National Lymphedema Network, empowering people with lymphedema to live life to the fullest.
0: And you said that you're going to compare those pictures in a year. How long is the recovery process? He said it'll be nine to 12 months. Um, yeah, nine to 12 months.
2: Um, if we do see anything, um, if I do recall, I think around six months, we'll um, do the dye again and see how it's looking still and maybe have a conversation if it does need to be paired with the SAPL. Um Again, that's if if I if I recall correctly, but but yeah, it's a long process. And right off the bat, people, friends, and family like, which is fantastic. I love the support. Everyone's been so excited with me. Everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, your leg looks great!" And I'm like, "Okay, people, this is going to take nine to twelve months." <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it,
2: <laughs> but, but really, I don't think it's, it's gone down.
0: Yet. It's really gone down point <laughs> four centimeters. You've got a good eye. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I actually like that patient. Will, a patient will come into the clinic, and I'm like, "Hey, your arm looks smaller." And they're like, "How can you tell? It looks the same." I'm like, yeah. You're down half a centimeter," and they're like, "Okay, that sounds tiny." <laughs> like, no, it's a big deal. Yeah. No, I've definitely learned with lymphedema,
2: the small like, it's the smallest things that make a huge difference. And, yeah, it's hard when you're looking at yourself every single day, like you're looking at it every single day, Um, you know, once or twice a day between putting garments on in the morning and then wrapping it at night. So, um, yeah, when friends and family who don't see me every single day were saying something or commenting on pictures I posted on social media, texting my mom and texting my dad, like, hey – you know, her leg looks great. Um, it, it, it helps, Uh, you know, it helps with the confidence and just keeping high hopes. And, and it's just nice having all that support system from my family, my boyfriend and his family and, um, friends and distant, you know, other relatives. Um, you know, it's just nice having everyone being excited with me.
1: Lymphedema and lipedema are chronic conditions that could make you feel scared and alone. The good news is you are not alone. In fact, you are part of an ever-growing community of people living their lives to the fullest. Jobst developed a free program called Lymph Care to educate, support, and connect you with the rest of the community. On LymphCareUSA.com, you can access things like informational blogs, listen to patient stories, and webinars by healthcare professionals. You can also find out about local and national events, exchange ideas with healthcare professionals, Professionals and patients as well as track your condition so what are you waiting for go to LymphCareUSA.com now to become part of the fastest growing lymphedema and lymphedema community
0: so do you recommend this procedure I know you're still in the recovery process but would you recommend this procedure to anyone else who's kind of having a similar journey with their lymphedema
2: um I guess ultimately yes so, like I said, what I've been told is, worst case scenario, nothing will happen, and it can't make it worse. Cause that was my biggest fear. You know, when you're diagnosed, you see, you start seeing the occupational therapist, and um, like I have a medical bracelet, like no BP, no needles, um, no extra compression, and you know, cl- you know, finding pants is just an absolute nightmare. Um, mm. You know, nothing to go against it. So, you know, I naturally was thinking. I don't want to make it worse, but I was told, you know, it can't make it worse. If anything, the fluid at least has somewhere to travel and this can prolong increased swelling as long as I stay disciplined to use my tools with the complete decongestive therapy. But um, by all means, I'm no doctor. But if you're a candidate for the surgery, I would recommend it. I mean, go for it. I would say know your body, know your state of your lymphedema, and know your limits to make an educated decision and go for it.
0: Is there anything you wish you had known before surgery that you learned after? Um, just
2: a few things. Not a whole lot. Um, I felt like I prepared myself well in terms of uh, just – you know, trying to think of things I would need. So beforehand I ordered a bunch of extra sets of bandages and I had them in a box tucked away in a corner. Like Mm. these are for post op bandages only. So when I came home, I automatically had all these bandages, you know, I can take one set off, wash it and have another set on while that's drying and um, just go through them like that. But um, I hadn't really come across too much. I did. So with the anesthesia, I did learn two things. I guess I did wish I knew. Um, let me think. Sorry. Okay. Um, I wish I had known, honestly, this is going to sound like super weird. I wish I had known that anesthesia, like messes with your body a little and nobody told me. And like, I knew all these people who have had surgeries and stuff done. And no one told me anesthesia messes with your body. <laughs> and so I wasn't really prepared for that. Um, so just, I don't know. I don't know how to put it into words, but just prepared, be prepared for the anesthesia messes with you a little bit. But, um,
0: You're also small, so I wonder if you're like you have a small frame. I'm not creeping on you on Instagram or anything, but (laughs) I am
2: small, and so maybe it's just my body. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Um, Actually, that leads to my next thing with the tube that they put in your throat for the anesthesia. Before they took me back, my dad actually asked if they could put a pediatric tube in my throat because I'm so small, and I was like, "Thanks, Dad. Thank you," (laughs) (laughs) because I still. (laughs) I still have kid size, like I still need kid size things. Um, And yeah, they said that would be determined once they go to put the tube in, but the tube um, does cause a sore throat, which they did. He did warn me that prepare me for that in the operating room, but I didn't realize how dry it makes your throat Mm -hmm. for the longest time. So after I woke up and then once I was prepared to eat, I was ready to eat dinner I didn't truly realize how dry my throat was until I was trying to eat a solid meal. And I really regret that decision Mm. (laughs) or regretted it at the time. So I would recommend (laughs) trying to stick with milkshakes first or something like that, because I could hardly even chew my food. It was miserable trying to eat it. Um, So I wish I had known how dry it makes your throat. So I had known to just, have a milkshake or something. Cause I, I could not eat a solid meal that entire night, which is no big deal. It's not the end of the world. Um, but I did get a little sad because going into the operating room, they asked me to take out my contacts, which I wasn't prepared for. Like, I've never had surgery before this. This is my first surgery. Like I was an athlete, so I've had my injuries. I've sprained a few bones, I've nearly broken a bone here and there. I've sprained my fingers. Um, I've, you know, I've had, I've, I've had nerve pain in my neck. Like, you know, I've had those things, but I've never had something as serious as surgery. So they had me take out my contacts and I didn't even think of, think of that and to have glasses with me. And so I was so excited to see an operating room in real life because, you know, I've only (laughs) seen it on Grey's Anatomy, or all these doctor shows. So I was really excited to see an operating room in real life. I know that probably sounds so weird, and this is so weird, but I had to take my contacts out, and I'm very blind, and so I couldn't see anything, and I didn't like it. That is a bummer. Oh. <laughs> I was a little bummed out. Um, and then, um, let me think. Oh, Oh, funny story. So we actually... Um, they actually didn't send me home with any strong um, prescribed pain medication. And so the pain actually wasn't that bad. Um, it was nothing that just over-the-counter Tylenol couldn't handle. And that's what they told me to take. They said, just take Tylenol. Well, you would think to think of making sure you have Tylenol on you. But we didn't think of that. <laughs> so all the medication they gave me prior to the surgery wore off at 4.20 the following morning. And so I woke up and that's the first time the pain hit me. And again, it's, it really wasn't too, too severe. Um, once you get Tylenol in your system or once you get the pain medication in your system. So I went, we stayed in the hotel overnight because my parents didn't want to put me in a car for five hours um, after, after my first surgery. So I go wake up my mom and I was like, I need the Tylenol. Where's the Tylenol? And so she goes to get it and she goes... Oh, it's empty. Oh, no. (laughs) So my dad went downstairs to like the little hotel shop kind of thing. And I don't know if they're out of Tylenol or just had other medications that weren't Tylenol, but they were at the hospital very specific to take Tylenol. And so he actually went walking. Out across the street, finding a convenience store in downtown Baltimore at 4.30 in the morning. And I was like, no, dad, it's fine. I'll survive. Wait for this.
0: <laughs> it's so
2: dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't go out there. But he did. <laughs> Everything was fine. But yeah, I would highly recommend to make sure you have plenty of your
0: pain medication <laughs> before the good stuff they give you at the hospital wears off. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, I can't believe I actually went this entire episode without actually defining what LVA is. For anyone who's listening that isn't familiar with the lymphovenous anastomosis is, it's where they basically take a healthy end of your lymphatic vessel and they basically attach it and drop it off right into a vein because the vein goes back to the heart unoxygenated, takes the unoxygenated blood right back to the heart. And essentially the lymphatic fluid ends up going back to the heart too so it's a direct stop um that's what the lva is it means that they just kind of join those two ends together and send it straight to the heart with the unoxygenated blood so i'm sorry i didn't say that sooner actually Mm -hmm. i just realized we this whole time talking about your surgery without telling them what it was but that's
1: that's
0: okay okay. well kirsten i really appreciate your advice and your perspective because i know that so many people who have asked me questions about the LVA, who have asked me about lymphedema surgery, they'll be really excited to listen to this episode. And they'll be able to share it with their therapist and their doctors and kind of make those plans, you know, um, don't wear contacts. (laughs) Make sure you have some Tylenol or whatever your doctor prescribes or says to have on hand. And also just to kind of do their homework. So I think those are really good tips to kind of do your homework and know your body. Yeah.
2: Um, Do you mind if I say one more thing when it comes to like tips and stuff? No, please do it. So, you know, again, I love to share my story and I love to talk about this. And I think this I hope what I'm about to say um, will be really helpful to any listeners out there. And especially if anyone out there listening to this, if um, you've been recently diagnosed or if you're in that stage of denial or. You know, if you're having a hard time or trying to find those little tricks and tips, um, I just kind of want to share what I've learned, not just from the surgery process, but um, just my entire process and my entire story with lymphedema. Um, I truly believe that things happen for a reason. And what I've learned that the most important tool for taking care of my legs hasn't been my bandages or my pump or even my garments. Yes, those are helpful and those help manage it. But honestly, it's been my knowledge. You know, I've researched it, I've learned about it, I understand it, and I, once I got past denial, of course, I never gave up. Um, I exercise. I do my best to eat right. You know, we all have our cheat days, um, and I drink lots of water. Um, you know, and especially with being around horses and being outside, that's important too. But You know, those three things I really try to make a priority in my day to day life. Um, But honestly, most important is knowledge is power and knowledge is free and no one can take that away from you. Uh, If you use this power to control your lymphedema, then it can't control you and you can't let it control you. And um, honestly, knowing this and realizing this and again, I'm going to be cliche again, but um, my boyfriend and I have been dating for almost a few years now, and you know he I had lymphedema before we started dating, and we were only friends. and but once we started dating and being with him, he's helped me realize all this too. he's He's helped me a lot through this process and realizing all that. Um, and having that knowledge and uh, just educating myself with lymphedema and the do's and the don'ts what to do, what not to do. Um, this was a, I was able to catch my other leg developing lymphedema with this at an early stage. So now I'm in a preventative stage with my left leg. That's still in stage one. Um, unfortunately that wasn't the case for my right leg where I did have this surgery. And, you know, I wish I knew that when I was 16, when it started developing in my ankle, but things happen for a reason. And with this knowledge, I use that to catch it in my other leg. And with this mindset, it also has helps me have so many more good days than the bad days. And I've just been a much happier person because of it. Um, You know, we all have our good days and we all have our bad days, but just knowing that, you know, knowledge is free and no one can take that away from you. And I would just highly recommend to educate yourself and get out there. And, you know, like I said, with my Instagram and I'll, I'll make Instagram stories and people will be like, that's awesome. You go, you're doing it. That's great. And I'll do that with other people too. Like you go girl, you're doing it. You know, you're trying, you've got this, we're in this together and, you know, support each other and help each other out. And um, I know I definitely wanted to mention that. So any viewers or listeners out there and um, especially still new to the whole lymphedema thing, you know, knowledge is power and no one can take that away from you and lymphedema can't take that away from you and you can control your lymphedema. It's, it's doable. You can do it.
0: I don't think I've ever heard it said better, so that was perfect. (laughs) Thank you. And I couldn't agree more because you have to make yourself do the thing that you don't want to do or the lymphedema Mm. will take over. And I don't mean that in like a weird like stranger things type of takeover, but I just mean it in like a... (laughs) <laughs> it will consume your thoughts. It will consume your energy. It will take all of your emotions. Um, it will. All of your relationships will be centered on it. All of your choices will be centered on it. But if you just take control of it and you manage it and you just educate yourself and equip yourself, just like you said, no one can take away your knowledge and that's your power. And that's how you get through it. That's how you, because you don't get over it. You just get through it.
2: Yeah, you don't get over it. You get through it. I definitely agree with that. It becomes a part of you, I guess.
0: I love it. Well, Kirsten, do you want to share your Instagram handle for anyone here who might want to get to know you a little bit better?
2: Um, Yeah, of course. It is eight furlongs of length. And I believe there's an underscore between each word. No, eight furlongs underscore of underscore length. Awesome. Um, That's it. That's That's my lymphedema Instagram page. And I'm always trying to post positive things. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I remember definitely the first time I had probably interaction with you on Instagram. We figured out the um, single pant leg situation. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I am still so excited about that trick. I'm sorry. I'm so excited about it. (laughs) I remember I was telling my husband, I was like, hey, I think I just helped somebody. He's you like, did. What do you mean I was like this girl I just kind of messaged her and kind of thought I thought this might work and she totally made this post and said it was awesome and it worked and all this stuff and he was like okay he was like not understanding I don't think mm-hmm. um the significance but I was like I totally just helped this girl in the middle of no like I don't know where she is I don't even know her it was so cool Ew. just like help somebody randomly through Instagram thank you Instagram. yeah that's what I love about this community and having this Instagram
2: now and that totally helped me, and I've given my tips to other people, and I hope I've helped them, but I would highly recommend it for any lymphedema patients out there, because you never know, you learn something new every day. You, I've had it for five years, and I still learn new things every
0: day. And Mother Teresa says, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope you enjoyed learning more about Kirsten's experience with the LVA surgery. Email me with your story if you would like to share, podcast at gmail.com, or visit the website podcast.com to submit a topic for another episode.